This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Gearing up for Dometic. Everything you need for adventures big or small. Mobile living made easy. Dometic. It's time for gearing up for the Dometic Patrol and Icebox with a sense of adventure. Earlier in the week, I caught up with Christina Costales and her and her partner, John, have been gallivanting up and down the eastern seaboard of Australia. The boat Takana is currently in the Sundays. John's doing some work there. Christina's doing some voiceover work at the Australian Open. Christina, thanks for joining me this morning. My wife and I, we were just chatting before off air, we've been watching... Uh, your exploits, your and, and John's exploits over the last few months and and wondering in awe, one, to have the kahunas just to go, you know what, we're going to pack up everything that we have, we're going to buy a boat and we're going to travel up the eastern seaboard of Australia. What, what were you thinking? Uh, I'm, I was really excited, but we were extremely nervous. Uh, obviously, we had only had, well, I had only had five days experience on a boat, uh, let alone one that was 50 foot with no bow thruster. <laughs> um, and John was, yeah, he was pretty nervous too. But, you know, we had just experienced a year and a half in lockdown in Melbourne and we were extremely over it. So, you know, we just kept on looking forward and the journey ahead seemed to be really exciting. Now, I stumbled on your journey through Club Marine. You've written a wonderful article. And then at the end of the article, I discovered that you've done a, a YouTube series on it. And I think there's a difference between someone like me that picks up a, a GoPro and then films something and puts it on YouTube versus you you're by trade you're a journo so you know what you're doing the 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 episodes themselves they're bloody sensational they must take a huge amount of time oh yeah that will um the filming is just very spontaneous so you know when we're doing something crazy or interesting or you know all hell breaks loose then the camera's out um and you're right though the editing part is pretty time consuming it takes about three days to edit an 18 minute video um, but the content in terms of like getting the camera out and filming, it just, it just flows and it just happens and everything you see is it unfolding as it would naturally. And yeah, I hope that resonates. <laughs> so going back to the start, because I, I, I get a bit excited because I've loved, I've loved the story so much. We're in lockdown 3.0 in Melbourne and you and John decide we're going to buy a boat, having very little sailing experience. You then do up the boat, which was a which was a journey in itself, and you did most of the work yourselves, which was incredible. John must be pretty handy. 
Yeah, oh, he's phenomenal. Yeah, he's he's very savvy when it comes to that sort of stuff. Definitely. I'm his right-hand woman, but he's just the brains behind everything. So then you 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 Renault the boat to Kana. It's absolutely beautiful. And as you mentioned before, it's 50 foot long. Like it's not like your first foray into sailing was a 14 foot skiff. This is this is hardcore. It's a big boat and and you and you get straight into you know launching through and sailing through Port Phillip heads, which you know on this show we talk about fishing all the time and how dangerous it is going through Port Phillip Bay heads. And you're doing that off very limited experience in a fifty foot boat. And there's like the the motor that you've got, it's not exactly something that can get you out of trouble quickly. Like you're you're on your own steam with the sail. Yeah, definitely. We threw ourselves in the deep end. We were definitely not after a 50-foot boat. We were (laughs) after something a little smaller. Uh, We had something like, you know, a 40-foot in mind. But uh, anyone who's out trying to look for a boat at the moment, there's there's not much on the market. So, you know, for us to do this experience, uh, we had to, you know, improvise and that's my 50 foot boat I have to say it was extremely nerve-wracking getting out of the berth um there were some very very close calls and I probably wouldn't recommend it um, (laughs) without getting some experience and some practice so we we um actually paid for a skipper to come on board and help us for a couple of hours uh we still felt extremely nervous there's no bow thruster as I meant so as I said earlier so it was very, very, very um, extremely worrying. But, you know, once we were out of there, uh, we waved to a few of our friends who who came down to see us off. And it was such a beautiful experience. I was more excited about, you know, saying goodbye and you know, <laughs> farewell, farewelling our friends. And I remember John just going, Christina, get the fenders. You know, like, <laughs> you know, we're in boat mode now. This is serious. And, you know, I was just in this fairy tale, dreamlike state. And uh, John was already in skipper mode and um, try to trying to let me know the seriousness of what we're about to to take on. And it was pretty wild going through the Bass Strait, I must say. Well, speaking of it's almost a baptism of fire, you, you, you enter Port Phillip Bay Heads into Bass Strait and then you sailed on and on and on through the night. <laughs> Those first few episodes, I think it was episodes seven and eight, where you, you started to – you headed off on the – on the journey and I think it was the autopilot that was malfunctioning slightly so you couldn't just keep dry up keep sailing and trust it John had to be up and, and you had to be up and you must have been buggered after those first few days uh a hundred percent I think you know we we only had well I only had that five days experience um we were able to do two weeks on someone else's boat which who actually turned out to be the previous owner which was incredible but at the same time I still hadn't had any hands-on experience because you know that wasn't our boat um so you know when we were out in the Bass Strait we felt very sort of like isolated and alone because it was just the two of us on board (laughs) yeah and it was just the two of us on board and obviously John being a pilot um I don't know. He, I guess he just he just knew what to do. But at the same time, I think he might have felt even more isolated because he was the only one who <laughs> felt comfortable behind the helm. So he yeah. stayed up for 18 hours. We the, It was really unusual. It was a moonless night, so it was completely dark. Um, we were obviously very isolated. 
and yeah, just two of us on board. And when the autopilot completely cut off intermittently, we were, I probably can't say this word. I was going to say I was shitting ourselves, but, you know, we were fireworks. <laughs> Can we say that? I was. Um, and, and, you know, we're going along and we just wouldn't know when it was going to cut out. And there was this one point in the sale where the autopilot was, you know, working for us. And then all of a sudden we've done this complete 180. We we, we were going the other way back to Melbourne. <laughs> But we, you, we didn't even realise it until we heard the head sail flapping. And at that point, we realised, okay, we've got a big four days ahead of us because we didn't <laughs> stop. We went from Melbourne to Sydney in four days and it was only at night time that the autopilot was, dis, like, malfunctioning because – Perfect, great issues. time for it to malfunction. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> because we, we later realised there were some issues with the solar panels and and um, and the power that was going to the batteries and, and um, it's all rectified now, but at that stage <laughs> – yeah, it wasn't ideal. And then, you know, we had that second situation whereby we were told that this could happen, but we didn't realise it was going to happen so early in the trip. But um, our our furling line jumped off the furler and wrapped around the force day. And that meant that we couldn't put our head sail away. And that was probably worse than the autopilot yeah. because John had to go to the bow of the boat in, you know, the rolling seas I'm at the back of their helm looking up at him. He's got a screwdriver in his hand trying to, you know, get this this line off the furler and it was it was on tight and uh, he came back white, um, <laughs> you know, seasick and, and feeling feeling awful. But um, I was just practising the man overboard situation over and over. It was it was hairy. It it must be though an incredible sense of achievement knowing the both of you, you're on this boat. If something goes wrong, well, you've got to turn to Mr. Fix-It. You, you've you've both got to work through it together because mm. you can't exactly call the RACV and they'll come out and, and and fix it. Like you've got to become a jack of all trades when you're on a, a journey like you've been on. Yeah, absolutely. I wish I did have more of a mechanical mind like John. <laughs> um, and you're right, he is Mr. Fix-It. And um, at the same time, you know, I've tried to um, learn along the way. I don't know. It's just, yeah, I'm just I'm just really lucky um, that, that we've had him on board because I tell you what, we would have ended up on a reef multiple times this trip <laughs> if it was left left uh, left up to me. So I think we work definitely as a great team, though. I'm I'm in the kitchen and, uh, you know, I feed him. You got to eat. You got to <laughs> eat. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but, you know, in all seriousness, um, yeah, I think we do work. I don't mind getting my hands dirty as well, but, yeah, we, we definitely um, – yeah, he's the brains. <laughs> is, it, is it safe to say, though, it's taken John some time to feel comfortable in front of the camera? Because from episode one where it seemed like he didn't really want to be there and now, because for, for yeah. those listening, it's not just this has been, you know, the day on the boat and we've been here, here and, and that's it. You actually mm. go into a bit of depth around the places that you journey to, a bit of the history behind those places. That's what I love about it, how much how much effort you actually put into that side of the production. But John's certainly more uh, receptive to, to your <laughs> questions around where we're going, what it means. Um, it's just great. I think I just wore him down. I didn't give him a choice, you know, because whenever something crazy was happening, I'd put the camera in his, well, not in his face, but, you know, I was just filming and, um, 
you know, initially, yeah, he was he was very nervous. And I mean, we honestly, we had no experience and we're, I'm about to put it online for the world to see. We were very vulnerable. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as we got more hours under our belt and I continued to pursue putting the camera in front of him <laughs> um, and not giving you him a got him. You know, I'm so grateful, though, because he is a wealth of knowledge and I'm able that the world gets to see that side of him because, um, yeah, we've got so much to share and so much to, um, you know, I, I we've had so many messages from people saying, you know, you're the one who got us over the line to buy a boat. Yeah. And that just blows my mind. It blows my mind. And I have no doubt it's because, one, we have been honest in the journey. We've been able to share those experiences. And I hope, you know, that people also get to learn from from the mistakes that we have made and um, and the vulnerability that we've we've showed and, um, and some of those tips that John has also been able to share with, with everybody body too yeah it's a it's a huge amount of fun now the places that you've been this will be an almost impossible question to answer but can you give me three destinations that are bucket list items Mm. for those looking to sail because there seems to have been so many of them but are there three that you can sort of lock down and go this was just an incredible place to experience by boat and yeah it's sort of hard to experience it any other way than than sailing there Mm, absolutely. Uh, I think Lizard Island is number one top of the list. I mean, that's a place where people spend two and a half thousand dollars a night in a resort to go to this beautiful remote island in North Queensland. And it is absolutely stunning. But if you go there by boat, it's free. <laughs> Yeah. You know, you just, you know, you you sail up to the anchorage and you put your anchor out and you get to experience paradise and magic and it has to be one of the most spectacular Australian islands we witnessed on this trip and we haven't reached that point in our YouTube journey yet so I'm so excited to share that part of our trip with everybody. Um, another place that was definitely up there is Hinchinbrook. Is just absolutely stunning. Uh, we we anchored off in a place called Zoe Bay, and it's crocodile territory there. So you also have that layer. And um, you know, we hiked up to this sensational waterfall, looking back over the bay, and we were the only ones crazy enough to be <laughs> parking up in this in this location with the swell that we were experienced. But um, that's also another episode that's that's coming up further in this journey uh, online. Uh, but that was just pure magic. Are the it's challenges like there. clearly a, pl- a place like Hitchinbrook where you're dealing with uh, significant tidal changes mm-hmm. and when you've got a draft of a sailboat that's 50 foot long, it's not like you can you wade through three foot of water. You need to calculate, you know, the, the changes that you're going to experience right throughout the day. So you've got to be careful with where you go. Oh, absolutely, definitely. And where you're anchoring up as well. And um, yeah, we have a 2.2 metre draft. So um, we had to be very mindful of that. And unlike a catamaran where, you know, they can go quite close to shore and, and get that protection, uh, we weren't so lucky in some anchorages. So, you know, That's we, the dinghy. <laughs> yeah, we, we did have to, um, we did have to cop the swell some nights when other people would just have an incredible peaceful sleep. But uh, I guess that's what comes with having a 2.2 meter draft so i know i've i've rambled on for too long and i've taken up not too much time we're under a bit of, 
time pressure. But Christina Travels is where we search the journey. Can you tell us more about how to, to get on board and, and, and support and follow the trip? Because I've loved it so much, but as much as I've loved it, I'm a fishing and boating person. My wife is less so, but she's loved it just as much as I have. Mm. I think because of those things that you mentioned, it's it's real. You're experiencing, you know, what you guys are all by, um, you know, how we do in COVID times on on the screen. Um, how do we follow? Well, it's uh, it's. I wish it was Christina and John's travels, but again, you, you know, John was that introvert, so it's Christina's he didn't put travels. The in early. <laughs> I know. <laughs> He's like, no, no, this is your thing. So it's Christina's <laughs> travels with a K, and um, and I love that your wife is into it because a lot of women, you know, aren't into boating, and it's such a shame because it is such an invigorating experience, and you feel like you are living. And I guess I'd like to say, you know, we're a boating channel, but I, I think we're more a lifestyle as well um, from, you know, that female's perspective, but also you get to see John's from a male's as well. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for watching and say thank you to your wife as well and, and <laughs> everyone. And I, I hope you really enjoy it. We've only just reached the most incredible spot, the Wit Sundays, and we are heading all the way up to Lizard and we have so much to share. So, um, yeah, check it out and start from the beginning when we buy Takana. Uh, yeah, it was it was wild from the start and it just keeps on getting crazier as we go. And we also have a near-miss, extremely wild experience as well uh, at Lady Musgrave. We had a um, an experience where we dragged anchor with bombings all around us. That's, that's coming up as well. <laughs> and we had a guy that anchored too close to us in the middle of the night during a storm and we were up against each other. So there are some wild experiences ahead. <laughs> We're looking forward to it, Christine. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this morning. Thanks again. Oh, thank you, Patrick, for having us. That was gearing up for the Dometic Patrol, an icebox with a sense of adventure. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.